got my kids in the stands, my team on my back, my family in my heart, I put my city on the map. See, I'm cool with my school, but I know I can do better. I took the mail yesterday and I'm one college and I'm one college offer after all this hard work. What is up, everyone? It's episode five. It's the People's Project. We're glad you're listening. I'm Mitch. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. How's it going, Chris? It's going well. Um, I can't say I've had too many obstacles thrown at me in the past week, so it's been a nice, easy week for the the few weeks that I've had before that, but um, can't complain. So uh, happy to get this rolling. I think uh, we got a good topic today. One that we've uh, been waiting to, to talk about and we're both super enthusiastic about. So, um, do we need to talk anything or talk about anything else before we jump into that or, or what do you think? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, the topic we have today, which is really just some tips and, and tricks for, for interviewing. Um, I think that interviewing is a, Skill set is something that's developed. It's not something that someone is very good immediately at. I think it's something that you learn over time uh, through trial and error. I think that you go into a lot of interviews, and, and really the more that you fail and the more that you learn, the more that you're able to be successful uh, later on when it's really more important and you're going at after a more high-caliber job. So I'm excited to get into it today. I'm excited about giving uh, our experiences with interviewing and some, ex- some tips that we've given other people that have made them successful as well. Cool. So um, I think it's important to, to really break down different aspects of the interview as well. So I know when I like to think of it, there's kind of like four main, main parts um, to me, and you can kind of comment on this too, but um, and we'll talk about our kind of our, you know, experiences with interviewing and, uh, you know, how we started and, and build our experiences and our skills when it comes to interviewing. But to me now at this point, I think that there's really four main parts to an interview. Um, one is going to be obviously preparation. So coming prepared to an interview. I don't think that anyone, doesn't matter who you are, maybe not even Gary Vee can walk into an interview. He might be able to, but, uh, and just get the job regardless of what it is. Um, if you don't come prepared. Uh, two, obviously, is the execution of that interview, and we're going to go a little bit in-depth on probably each one of these, but um, executing an interview is probably one of the most crucial parts of it. Uh, three is going to be analysis of the interview, because obviously you're not going to get every job you interview for. Um, and like Daniel Negrano says, uh, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in life. And learning nothing from the mistakes is the mistake. Uh, so if you're going into interviews and, and not getting a job and just constantly getting frustrated over and over and over again, but not actually looking at, you know, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? How can I be better? Not learning anything from the mistakes you made in that interview or maybe a mistake of not preparing or maybe a mistake of, uh, you know, not coming dressed correctly or whatever it is, um, not learning anything from that. And, um, the fourth one is really just, uh, you know, I think, uh, practice. And that's, and that kind of comes along with preparation as well, too. But, uh, what do you, what's your, what's your input on that? Where, where's your head at with those, those four? Yeah, I think that, you know, I was helping actually someone else, someone today. They're preparing to go for a job. Uh, they're on my team. They're looking to go for a job where they'll go from really a store manager to kind of a business manager where they'll kind of be helping out our team, but it's really like a more district uh, manager level. And the biggest, I think, thing that I was telling her is that when it comes to interviewing, it's really about reverse engineering. And what I mean, what I mean by that is that the most important aspect of interviewing, in my opinion, is understanding who your audience is. And who you're actually interviewing with. Because every person that you interview has things that they like, has things that you, that, that, that they don't like, and really understanding that person. It's kind of like understanding that job and understanding the person you're interviewing with and then moving backwards instead of starting with where you are and trying to interview for that job. You know, so like, for instance, this person was a store manager, right? 
going for a business job at a DM level where you're kind of working with multiple different stores, not just one store. And I was like, okay, first and foremost, we can't talk like we're a store manager. We have to talk like we're in the job. So if you had that job already, what would you be doing in that job? And she said, well, you know, I'd be going to all the different stores. I'd be understanding the knowledge of business at each store, understanding the pulse of each store with business. Uh, I'd be, you know, trying to understand what's our education level with business. And I said, okay, well, let's take those aspects of what you'll be doing if you get the job and let's move backwards. So I think it's exactly what you said on the first part, which is preparation. And I think that if you don't prepare for a job and try to understand the position and then move backwards and understand who you're interviewing with and move backwards, I don't think you have a shot at it. Because I've gone into jobs before and been like, okay, I'm qualified for this. I feel like I'd be good at this job. Uh, I don't think I'll have any problem with it. And I've just had a terrible interview. You know, and I think whether it be interviews or presentations, no matter how sound you are in the topic, if you don't prepare for it, I don't think you have a shot of being successful in that. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing that I have regarding preparation is that reverse engineering is extremely important. You know, really making sure that you understand the job, you understand what that person's looking for, and you develop your answers and you develop your business plans off of as if you already have the job and what you'd be doing in the job. So what are some other things you can do to prepare? Uh, I know that we've done in the past. Um, what would you say? Some other, some other, maybe one or two other things you can do to, you know, really stand out and be prepared and um, get your name out there. Um, I think calling people that are associated with that job. So something that I told her too is that reaching out to if you had that job, who would be your peers? You know, I remember when I was going for a district manager job, and I'll never forget this. This was like a terrible experience, but it really taught me a lot. But I was a general manager. I was going for a district manager position. I was interviewing with a director. Uh, I had reached out to a few of the DMs. I had reached out to one of the ops persons. I had reached out to, who else was it? I think HR. And unfortunately... You get the training in there too, I think. Yeah, I think it was training, yeah. But unfortunately, I didn't reach out to really absolutely everybody I could have. And after having a really good interview and after really connecting with the director, you know, I was very confident. I was like, man, this is definitely going to be my job. This is great. He pulls out a notebook. He pulls out a pen. And he said, okay, let's go down the line. Let's see who you talk to. So the first thing he says is, okay, who are the DMs you talk to? And I had spoken to about four of the seven. He said, okay, who are the trainers you talked to? I had spoken to like one of the three. Uh, who are the operations people you've talked to? I spoke to like one of the two. And every time I was only mentioning one person or two out of the three or four, he was crossing names off. And I remember sitting there looking at him being like, dang, like I prepared so much for the job. I knew I should have reached out to those people, but I didn't think it was necessary because I'd already talked to one person in that department. And now I was sitting here at the very final part of the interview watching him cross names off that I had I hadn't reached out to those people. And that was something that really stuck me to this day. Is like if you ever go for a job and you know that that job may communicate with multiple different people, trying to connect with every single one of them. I think you made a good point there um, in connecting with people because some of the feedback, and again, this will kind of go into analysis of, or, uh, you know, the mistakes you make in an interview. Um, but um, one of the things you want to do to prepare for your interview, and I got this from uh, an interview that I was going for when I was applying for a, a general manager spot in Spokane, Washington, Washington State, literally across the entire country. Um, there was a point where I was probably just throwing out interviews and applications to anywhere just to get practice uh again going back to that practice thing again in interviews uh so you can can work on the way you say things you know what to say what not to say uh just get your your stories told so that you can you know really tailor the way you want to say it and and better the way you want to say it and make sure you're saying it so that uh you know it's impactful and people are going to remember you 
and uh, you know, I actually had a pretty good interview. Um, but uh, one of the things that the district manager told me was uh, one of my biggest misses in preparation uh, was that the interview was the first time he had heard my name and saw my face. So if that's the case where you're going into an interview and the person who is interviewing you is the it's the first time that they're hearing your name and seeing your face you probably already set yourself up for failure for one um it's it's very unlikely you're going to get that job unless you kind of blow it out of the water or because half the time they typically already have someone in mind too um so going into it completely blind you're really hurting yourself um but two, you're just you're you're not utilizing tools like that are out there now. Like we're super big on LinkedIn now for for the exact reason that it allows you to expand your network, uh, allows you to get your brand out there. So when people do look to fill a position, not only do they know your name and face, but they know what you're about. Uh, so um, when you go to apply, you're already connected with LinkedIn. They see your posts. You see you're active on on a professional site, not posting Facebook or Instagram pictures about the food you ate the last night before, uh, you know, where you out drinking the night before more so about, you know, how you're building culture and, uh, developing your people so that they can understand fully if when they put you in that role, you know, it makes sense to put you in that role and they're not even gonna have to worry about you when you're in that role. So that was some, like one of the best tips or the, the strongest feedback I got, uh, from one of the, interviews that I actually didn't even get the job for. Uh, so, um, again, it's always important to learn from, from your mistakes and, and take, take away something from when you didn't succeed uh, because, really, ultimately, failure or losing is the, uh, the best opportunity to become successful. Yeah, I think people need to understand that if you prepare for the job you're going for, a few days or a week before the before the interview, you don't have a shot. Like you need to be preparing for the inter- for the job that you want every single day. You know, so like you said, like getting on LinkedIn, creating that profile, creating that image, creating that presence, and really making people aware of who you are far before you have that interview is extremely important. Because when the interview comes, and that's the first time, like you said, that somebody sees you, generally, probably seventy five to eighty percent of the time people have somebody already in mind, you know, so you have to be preparing for those jobs far between. So if you're somebody right now who is like six months from a job or eight months from a job or even four months from a job or wherever you may be, start putting those things into place right now. Start trying to create a presence and letting people know who you are right now. So when the time comes and you put your name in the application or you put your name in the rec, people look at there and they go, Oh, I know who this person is. I've seen them. I don't know who they are. I'm interested to see who they are. Because remember, those kind of things get you in the job. They get you in the interview. They don't get you the job. They get you in the interview for the job. You know, so if you're just somebody who's like, oh, I, you know, I interview next Wednesday. Let's start preparing now. 99% of the time, you don't have a shot. And that's where I've, that, that's where I've been before. You know, I've been in positions before where I was like, well, I've done really, I've, I've done really well in this job. I shouldn't have any problem getting this position. And then I apply for it and it's with somebody who has never heard of me because they're, you know, on the other side of the country. And then I end up getting feedback like, Hey, I enjoyed working. You know, I enjoyed talking to you. I enjoyed your interview, but I didn't know who you were. I just met you right then, you know, and ultimately I didn't get the job, but it was a good learning lesson, you know? Yeah. And I want to point out too something you said there is, uh, you know, you're preparing for your interview like every day. It's not the week you start deciding you want the job because a lot of times if you're, you know, applying within the same company, uh, maybe people do know you and it's blatantly obvious when, you know, you're one way and then all of a sudden a job becomes available and then, you know, the week or maybe even the month before you start posting more in a group me or being more active. But in reality, when that job wasn't available or maybe when people aren't watching you, you're just not doing those things or not, you know, doing the little things correctly. Like we always talk about is doing those little things on a consistent basis, being uh, disciplined so that you can be successful. So if you're just doing it just because like a job becomes available or, or there might be a job available, it's like so obvious that you almost come off like kind of stupid because you're you're making it blatantly obvious how much you didn't care before, and now just because a job became available or some opportunity opened up, now you're going to start trying. Like 
that's where real people find the people they want to fill with benches is when, you know, you're doing those extra things when people aren't watching or there's not that opportunity. Yeah, I think that's what separates the the people that are good at their job and the people that are great at their job. You know, the people that are good at their job genuinely, you know, you know, they tend to do a good work and then when the time comes for an interview, they really step up their game, they start doing a good job. But the people that are great at their job are always excelling, always working at an elite level. So those are people that tend to get tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, why don't you go ahead and apply for this job because we're interested in it and we've been watching you for a while. The people who just do a good job for a while and then suddenly bump up their class of how good they do, they're not the ones who are tapped on the shoulder. It's the people who do those over-the-top things every single day, far and it far before any interview. So when the time comes for a job, those are the people who get, hey, hey, Chris, I know you've been doing a great job for eight months. What do you think about applying for this position? Those yeah, they, are the they actually come out and reach out and look for you. They, they yep. basically recruit you. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So what's the third, what's the third one? So you said there's, there's four I different think we're spots. still on the second one. I know you, um, have trouble counting, but, uh, <laughs> we only did the first one so far. <laughs> True. First one. Um, the second one is just executing at the, the day of the interview. And really like we can talk about, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the morning before the interview, literally the time of the interview. Um, and maybe even like an hour before the interview, but, uh, you know, execution during that day. So what does that, what does that look like to you? Well, I think it comes down to, to two things. And I think the first one is your confidence level. You know, I think your confidence level and your answers, the confidence level that you kind of give off to the person interviewing. But I think the second thing is, is that I was told a line that, are saying that helped me quite a bit in presentations as well as interview. And that is, is that when you're nervous and your nerves are pumping, if you can transfer those nerves into enthusiasm, it tends to lower your blood pressure and kind of get your breathing back on point. And that's something that, you know, anybody, no matter how prepared you are for an interview, when you care a lot about the job, you tend to get nervous because you want it so bad. You care so much about it that those nerves can sometimes get the best of you. So I think that if you're able to calm those nerves and turn that into enthusiasm and show how enthusiastic you are about the job and how much you care about, about the job in general, but really when you're enthusiastic, you're really confident, you know, and I think the two things that I would say regarding execution would be being confident in your decisions and that, in turn, is because you're enthusiastic. And you know what? Like, I've interviewed people before that are very enthusiastic about their job and very enthusiastic about the business and very enthusiastic about just making people around them better. And that's been extremely appealing to me. You know, like, somebody can come to an interview with a wonderful business plan that's very well put together and just speak very monotone, you know, like A, B, C, D, this, 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 this. And no matter how great their material is, you're like, man, you really, you're not, you're not what I'm looking for. You know, I've also had people come to the interview that have halfway put together business plans and halfway decent answers, but they're so enthusiastic. They're so positive. They're so upbeat. They're so confident in what they're saying that it's made me really not care so much about the content that uh, is on their business plan or the content that's really with their with their answers, but more or less their energy. Because let's be serious, in the retail world that we've been in, there can be some slumps, there can be some downtimes, and it's really about those people who can motivate people, inspire people, get that energy going that makes people successful. So real quick, um, before we continue... You keep mentioning business plans. Um, I don't know if everyone listening knows what that is. Uh, so just give us a rundown real quick of like what, what that entails, uh, the purpose of it, um, and, and you know, what really you'd be looking for and really does it depend on the person or, or what it is? I think a business plan is, uh, you know, your game plan for what you plan on doing if you get the job. You know, you're exactly right, Chris. I don't think most people come to interviews with business plans. Right. So is this just something, you know, you got in your head? You're coming in like, this is my business. Like, 
my business plan is that, you know, I'm going to come in this way. Is it just like a mentality or, or what are we talking about when we say that? So I guess in my experience, and this is just my experience, um, I'm talking about a, you know, five to 10 slide PowerPoint of what you plan on doing when you get the position. But here's the most important part is that it's not so much about what you put in this PowerPoint as it is your talk track with the business plan. You know, like if you're going for a business job, for instance, like a, let's say a business specialist job where all you do is push business lines out of your retail store or wherever you may work, your business plan should be, uh, you know, what you plan on doing if you get the job, what you plan on doing 60 to 90 days, what kind of projects you plan on putting together, what kind of recognition groups or, or whatever you mean to put together. You put on a, you put on a PowerPoint and you have, you know, you go through it during the interview, but realistically it's about the talk track. You know, when I was prepping this person today for their job tomorrow, they had a really, really well put together business plan. It showed who they were. It showed what they planned on doing if they got the job. It showed what the areas of opportunity at the place that they were looking to be a part of, like what they thought the areas of opportunity were. And it showed what they could bring to the table, right? And so it showed that it showed them that on the PowerPoint. But what we went over for four hours was how to present it, you know, because a lot of people think if you can just put together incredible material on a business plan, it's going to get you a job, but that's not the case. It's really how you present it. You know, have you ever been, Chris, I'm sure, have you ever been in a presentation before where somebody had a PowerPoint and they read the PowerPoint the entire presentation? Oh, absolutely. It's it's not only mind-numbing, but it's like, why are you even here? I could just You could just email this and I could have just read it. Exactly. I would have gotten the same amount. If your business plan and your talk track could just be an email, then you're presenting it very incorrectly. So that's the biggest thing is like the talk track that goes along it, you know, like making sure that you don't just read off the slides, but condense them, make them into a story. I think the most successful times I've had in interviews have been every slide has been a personal story. You know, it hasn't been reading off the slide. It has, it's been a personal story that applies to what material is on that slide. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think <clears throat> kind of tagging on that too, when people have multiple people that they're interviewing for the same job, um, a lot of the answers are going to kind of blend together. But when you have a story that has like an impactful message or, you know, shows who you really are, that's the kind of thing that's going to get you to stand out and get the person who's interviewing to remember you. Um, and that's really the ultimate goal because, you know, they might interview 10, 20, 30 people for the same job and it's going to kind of all blend together. But when they have that one person who really stands out because they're like, I remember this answer that, that guy said, but everyone else is just kind of theoretical answers, you know, that's what's going to get you that job. Um, yeah. And oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, go ahead first. Go ahead, because I'm going to kind of go out on a little tangent, but go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, the, like the biggest things I remember out of anybody I've interviewed, and I think any of my interviews, is just, like, being different. And that's exactly what you're saying. Like, so many people try to put business plans together or why me answers, and they're very, you know, I work hard, you know, I do the best I can, I help out people around me and I've been here for a long time. So I feel like I deserve this job, but it really comes down to like, what makes you different? You know, like when I was prepping that person for their job, I, we, we went through the whole business plan. Then we got to the why me slide. And I said, this is about two weeks ago. And I said, we're not going to answer this right now. This why me slide. We're not going to answer this right now. This slide, I want you to think about, for the next two weeks on your drive, drive home, your drive to work, just think about it. What makes you different? Like deep down, like your foundation, your fundamentals, your morals, your values, your work ethic, what makes you ultimately different than other people? You know, it was really co cool because we put together the final why me today. 
and she had thought about it for a long time and she had like three lines to like what made her different who who she really was at heart and i think it was you know a really amazing why me so she goes tomorrow so you know hoping the best yeah for sure and so where i was going with it uh, i think that is crucial too fresh definitely you know you can't you can't think of a, a good answer like that that's going to set you apart in five minutes ten minutes like i like that two week kind of really think about what sets you apart too so that is extremely important you know don't when you're preparing make sure you're really preparing and don't do it the night before but when it comes to really thinking about what's going to set you apart and put you in a position that is going to give you an opportunity over the next 10 20 people that is something you really got to think about sometimes for you know maybe a couple days a couple weeks even um, and then you'll most likely come out with a much better answer than what you came up with that first time too. So I like that a lot. Um, what I was going to say is though, with the business plans, is this, I mean, is this something that, you know, you got to have if you're applying to, you know, the CEO position or, you know, the CFO position, or can you kind of use this at any level? Um, and I kind of want to bring up a story about someone that, you know, me and I, or you and I really like, um, you know, Penny, Penny O'Connell, um, Someone who, you know, we were told shouldn't be hired um, because this X, Y, and Z bullshit excuses. And she came to that interview, and you can you can kind of comment on this, but she came to that interview so unbelievably prepared. Like we were like, why are you even applying for this job? <laughs> was, I mean, besides you, I mean. She was the, she was the best, like, hire I've ever had in my life, you know, and like, I, I think we, we can get into it, you know, we have a, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, we, you know, it's our podcast, we do the fuck we want to do, <laughs> but, you know, she, we had a, we had a crew that was in their 20s and 30s, and, you know, Penny was much older than that, you know, like, you know, what was late 40s, something like that, and, you know, here's the thing, Penny came into that interview with a binder full of not only like fantastic results from, you know, 180% to quota, 190% to quota. She came with like the receipt for those like results. She had her like signed off commission statements for the last, what, two years or something? Oh, I have never in my life seen someone more well-prepared than Penny. I will never forget that. I literally remember, like you just said, sitting in like the middle of the interview being like, why are you here? Like, you're so ridiculously good. And I mean, she's also the person that not only we hired and the team loved her, but like, she was also the person that we would, (laughs) like, I would be at work at like eight o'clock in the morning and I would call you and I'd be like, guess what Penny's doing? And she'd be in the parking lot picking up trash, which is like far away from her job duties. But it was like, she was that dedicated. I mean, like I've never, I've never in my career, like to this day met someone more prepared than Penny. And it was because Penny said she went to a different store. So uh, let's give us some background. Penny was a pharmaceutical sales rep, like a crazy good pharmaceuticals, pharmaceutical sales rep. Then she moves back to a place to be closer to her family, to take care of her family. She couldn't do the pharmaceutical sales job anymore, so she started working at a newspaper company. So this is like 2018 newspaper company. Generally, all your news is offline, you know, online and things like that. I don't think but, most people even know what a newspaper is anymore. Right, exactly. So... Nobody pays attention to it. And this lady is doing 200% to quota, 250% to quota, like crazy numbers every month. And she has signed commission checks in her binder that she presents to us just so we know she's not lying. She put together the best interview I have ever seen in my entire career. I mean, I mean, it, it's like really hard to put into words, but, but the reason for that is that Penny cared, Penny prepared for her job and prepared for her job interview. 
and she executed when she was there. She had a wonderful personality. She was enthusiastic. Well, I think the she, biggest thing is that she was just – that's just who she was. She was consistent. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if she – you know, apply that day or, or a year later, like it would have been the same exact thing because like we said earlier, she did those things on a daily basis. It wasn't just because, oh, this job opportunity is coming now, I'm going to start doing these things. Like that was her at her core. And yeah. she was just incredibly awesome. Like like we always said, like she was like our favorite person in the world to work with. Uh, and like you said, she would go above and beyond. It didn't matter. Like you, she'd, she'd be like busting her ass and then she'd be like, oh, is there anything else I can do to help you guys out? And it was just like such a breath of fresh air because, you know, it was a little bit different than what we're used to in that, you know, work environment. And, uh, you know, she, she was really awesome. But, um, I, hey, hold on. I'd, I'd say, I'd call you. I'd be like, dude, guess what Penny's doing right now? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know, dude. She's probably like painting the roof. <laughs> I'm like, dude, she's picking up all the trash in the parking lot. He's like, dude, she's so fucking ridiculous. Dude. I mean, like, it's easy. And you know what? You know what? That's why Penny was so successful because Penny didn't have to be asked to do, how about this? Penny didn't have to be asked to go above and beyond. She didn't need, she didn't need to do that. She just did it herself. She just at her heart and soul wanted to go above and beyond for whoever she was working for. And that is what made Penny one of, if not the most incredible employees I've ever had the pleasure to work with. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And and just to just to give you guys an example, I know Mitch said he, she had a binder a couple times, but this thing was like the size of a dictionary, like a good four inches thick. Like she had business cards from every single business she's ever touched in her entire pharmaceutical career, like ready to come in and, and use those relationships she's built over her lifetime. Like, I've never seen that before. And it was just like, I came into the middle of the interview. I was like, I gotta, I gotta come, come hang out for a second and see what she's about. Cause this, this seems like, I got, I just gotta be in this room. I can feel like, I can feel something's happening here. Penny, if you're listening, you're a boss. <laughs> you're a boss, Penny. I hope you're listening right now. <laughs> I don't love that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so let's talk about executions a little bit more. So, you know, What's your, uh, you know, you're, you got an interview this day, tomorrow. You got an interview today, right? Or even tomorrow. You got an interview tomorrow. What's your, you know, the night before look like? And what's your, you know, the morning of look like? How do you get, how do you get mentally prepared? Uh, cause you've done the preparation, right? Preparation's all done. Uh, what's that maybe last 24 hours before your interview look like? Yeah, it's what I told, uh, Dana today. And that is stop looking at your material. Like, stop going over your stuff so much and almost, like, psychologically freaking yourself out. Like, when you've looked at something so much, just stop for a second. You're well prepared. Get some good rest. The next day, look at your material once or twice. Like, if you're preparing and having to memorize your material right before your interview, hours before your interview, you are way late anyways. Like... You should be doing this a week in advance, a couple weeks in advance. So what I told Dana is I said, hey, you know this stuff. We've gone over this, you know, 30 times now. We went over this all day today. Get some good rest tonight. Wake up tomorrow. Look at it once or twice. And you know what? Go in there and be confident. You know, like I, I don't think that I had a bad problem in my career at first of looking at something so much the night before and so much the, the next morning and so much right before the interview that it almost like psyched me out. I almost like was trying to run off a script and you know, there's a point in time where your brain has looked at something enough and it understands exactly what you're trying to say. And you know what? Give it some rest, let it get some rest, prepare the next morning, you know, wake up, you know, get your routine going. You know what? Like, be confident in yourself. Like that's what it all comes down to. Like no matter no matter what or how you look at it, someone's confidence level is really what it comes down to. You know, if you're well prepared and you know what you're talking about and you're confident in your decisions and you're confident in yourself and you're confident that you can do the job well, then I think you're good to go. 
you know, I don't think that you have to keep going crazy going over something because eventually you get into an interview and you might say something wrong or say something that wasn't on the script and next thing you know you're so thrown off because you're so psyched out on exactly what you should say word for word. And you know what? You're not a robot. You're a person. So you know what? Just be yourself. You're well prepared. Be confident in your decisions and go and get it. That's it. How about uh, any superstitions you got, like lucky socks or, or you know, rub your, your uh, shiny head there? <laughs> <laughs> it is nice to be bald because I do have this shiny head. But um, I'll tell you what, you know, I got a couple songs that I get into, a couple songs, you know, that, that I kind of listen to beforehand, but... Yeah, I'll tell you what, like, usually before interviews, I'm usually pretty quiet, like, pretty silent, and just kind of trying to calm my nerves, trying, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, if you go, in, you know, if you go into an interview, like, I have plenty of times, and you mess shit up, and you say the wrong things, and things like that, like, just take it as a learning opportunity, like, you're going to go into interviews, you're going to say the wrong thing, you know, you're going to forget something you said, but just... Just own it. You know, like, that's a big, big thing regarding execution that I was talking to Dane about is that if there's something bad that 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 is not so good regarding metrics, like you got a low metric, or you have something that's not so good that stands out, just own it. You know, just own it. You know, so like, if, if there's an answer that y'all got, I hope they don't, I hope they don't ask me this because this isn't very good, just own it. You know, like, hey, that makes sense. You know, uh, that's something I haven't, that's an area of opportunity of mine. That's something I need, you know, that I've put extra work in. But here's what I have in place to get over that hump. So here's the biggest thing, and this is where I've messed up. Never go into an interview and tell someone this is what you plan on doing to get something fixed. Because no one cares about plans. Like the biggest thing to do in an interview is go in to say what's already in place to fix something. If you have a metric that's bad, don't say, well, you know, that metric's not very good, but I plan on doing X, Y, Z. Like, no one cares about that because it's not in place. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Like, the biggest thing is to say, hey, you're right. That's an area of opportunity of mine. I'm not doing very well there. But here are the things, X, Y, and Z, that I have in place right now to improve on that, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of people miss on because when you, when someone, when an interviewee, interviewer, so who's the interviewee? Who's the interviewer? You would be the interviewer if you're asking the questions. Okay, so interviewer says, hey, what about this? This isn't very good. The interviewee should never, ever, and I've done this so many times, this is why I can say this, should never say something along the lines of, oh, that's right. But I, I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I plan on that better. I plan on definitely doing a lot better than that and putting focus around that. No one likes to hear that. Like your biggest thing is if somebody says, hey, what's up with this? This isn't very good. You go, you know what? You're absolutely right. That's definitely my area of opportunity. And X, Y, and Z is exactly what I'm doing to make sure that we take care of that I have that in place right now. Yeah, I like that. Because planning really doesn't, you know, as much as it sounds nice, um, you could just continue to say that and words don't go nearly as far as actions. So um, if you can talk about the actions you're already doing more so than the words that you have to think about or, or plan, that's a huge opportunity uh, to sound a lot better, sound a lot more confident, like you're saying with confidence, sound like you understand the business. Um, and then just being a leader too, uh, you know, acknowledging when something you're doing is failing and being able to adapt and adjust on the fly. Uh, not waiting for someone else to tell you, hey, you need to you need to make this change. Um, and I loved what you said too, is you know saying your weaknesses so that you know like bring those out so that they can't you know hit you with the question. It's like uh, you know one of my favorite artists, uh, Eminem, in the classic movie Eight Mile at the end, where he just basically brings up everything that they're going to tell him already, and then uses it against them so they have literally nothing to say. Um, because he, he already clarified literally every one of his weaknesses and, uh, explained how it actually was like a strength almost. So, um, great point there. I think that's something huge is to, you know, use your weaknesses, um, 
as showing you you're knowledgeable at the business and you're not going to try to hide anything too. Uh, just because, you know, that interview is where you start to build trust with that person too. So if you're trying to, you know, hide something or, or be secretive or, or, uh, Whatever it is, you know, that's a terrible way to start your relationship with someone you're about to start working with. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, I think my interviews started to change when I accepted, like, my faults. Like, generally, when you first start, like, my leader, like, Chris Mossberg, he talks about this now. Like, I was very uncomfortable with the bad conversations about my business you know, or my interviews, like I would not want to talk about something negative. I'd always try to push it to something positive. And that's not how you get better. Like really when you start owning your faults and you start owning your mistakes and you start owning your areas of opportunity and where you can get better, not only does the person that you work for, the person you're interviewing start to respect that more, that you can understand and realize where you're faulting at, but I think you become better just in leadership in general because I started getting a ton better at interviewers, at, at, at interviewing and my job when I started just owning who I was and what mistakes I, were, I was making. So I think that's something that it's tough to get by because no one likes to sit and entertain and own where they miss at. Like no one enjoys that, of course. But when you start trying to enjoy it, and when you start recognizing it as, hey, that is an area of opportunity, that is where I can get better, people not only respect that, but I think you start respecting your leadership style and you start getting better that way. Yeah, I like that too. I like that a lot. Um, Do we miss anything on executing? Obviously, I don't think it needs to be said, but you know, dress for the job you want. It's pretty, pretty standard stuff. Um, as much as that seems obvious, I feel like I've had so many interviews where the person who's being interviewed does not dress for success. And it's just like, why are you even wasting your time? I had a, uh, I had a girl come in to one of my stores to interview and she was in pink, uh, kitty slippers and, uh, pink pajamas and a white tee and um like she rolled out of bed or something like that was no 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 she she definitely rolled out of bed and when i asked her i said uh i had asked her to bring in a resume you know just so we can go over her career experience and she said here's my here's my resume i don't know why i had to bring it to you it's my first time i ever had to make a resume and uh wait I'm sorry. You asked her to bring her resume, and she brings her resume, and then, like, first thing she does in the interview is give you attitude about the fact that she even had to bring in a resume to the interview. She was pissed. She was pissed that I had to bring her an interview, that I had, to, I had her bring her resume. I mean, I can but tell the- that she's, like, such a well-thought-out and sought-out client and, you know, interviewee because, you know, the, the cheetah slippers or whatever you said, and... And the pajama pants and the white tee. She definitely knows what she's doing. Well, the, the, the best part is that she said that if she doesn't get the job, could her mother get the job? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, like, this is for like a really, good, <laughs> like for a really high paying good job. And she literally said, if I don't get this job, do you mind if I give it to my mom? She's going to give her the job. And I said, not you. <laughs> don't mind. You yeah. and your mom won't either get these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously dress for success. I think that's an obvious one, but, uh, you know, people still don't do it, but you know, suit and tie if you're a guy and you know, if you have a suit, if you're, if you're a girl as well, or, or something that's nice and professional, um, the more professional, the better, uh, again, dress for the job that you want to be in. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, come prepared, like, like Mitch was saying, have that mentality that you're in that job, but also have that presence and appearance because that's what they're looking for or that's what we're looking for. Or and if you, what's that? Cheetah, leave my home. What's that? I said, and if you have cheetah slippers, please leave my home. Yeah. Well, you obviously do. So we haven't seen them out yet, but. <laughs> <laughs>
No one's going to say that. <laughs> um, all right, so part three, uh, two, yeah. and then three, after one, uh, comes three. And then, uh, so we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the analysis uh, of your interview. So obviously not at every interview is going to go well or go your way, and you're not going to get every job that you interview for. Uh, so how crucial would you say, um, you know, looking back and, and really thinking about, you know, the way you said your answers or, um, you know, writing down the questions you were asked and, and really digging deeper um, and, you know, could I have answered this better or, or what was the response of the person when I said something? Did they, you know, did they just kind of go on to the next thing or, or did it kind of make them sit back and think for a second? So I want to take this in a little different direction and I want to get away from what you took from the inter- interviewer's feedback and get into giving actual feedback. Okay. As I have unfortunately, and I think a lot of people can say this, uh, run into a lot of people who say things like, you were fantastic in the interview. You were near perfect, but we didn't give you the job. And that is not a thing because nobody is perfect in an interview and doesn't get the job. So I think the way I want to take this is for anybody out there who actually interviews people and how important giving good critical feedback is, is so crucial to someone's success. Like so many times, and I mean, I would have to say that probably eight out of 10 times people tell you, boy, you were good. You were really good. And I liked you and I enjoyed your, your time, but you know, my second pick, we liked somebody else. Yeah. You were, you were, you were the close second. It was almost. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. And I guess I'm trying to keep this, you know, from not, you know, really going crazy, but that is so insulting to tell someone how they did so wonderful, but they didn't get the job. Because here's a couple of things that you do to those people. The first thing is that if they suck, they stay shitty. They didn't get any better. Like, if they were poor, they stayed poor. If they missed a couple answers, they will continue missing those answers. Like, you don't give anyone the ability to get better when you tell them that their interview was fantastic, but they didn't get the job. Like, the least that you, the least thing that you can do for somebody when they don't get a job is tell them why. Like, give them honest feedback. Like, you know what? I did like talking to you, but X, Y, and Z were things that I wasn't a fan of. This is how I'd handle it next time, and this is why I selected somebody else. Like, even if it's feedback that you, like, if that person doesn't like, I can assure you they will respect that feedback, and they will appreciate it in the long run, because I think you and me know both that when you get an email that says, we have selected a more qualified candidate, or you get a, somebody who calls you and says, Chris, wow, I mean, boy, you crushed that interview, but we're not picking you. It's, it's, it's infuriating because you have nowhere to go. Like, you're just right back where you were, right back before the interview. You might as well have not even done the interview because you didn't get any better. Like, when you do an interview, do one of two things. Get the job or get better for the next job. Makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And same thing too when you're the the interviewer, like you said, like that's a perfect part to, especially in your company. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people in those in those instances where they, you know, they're told that they did so well in the interview, they didn't get that job though. Um, and a lot of times that feedback is so poor that that person's so frustrated and angry that companies. And businesses are losing top talent because, um, they're, like you said, they're not growing in any way. They feel stuck. Uh, they're not getting the job they want. They're being told again and again they were that number two guy. 
They interviewed great. They couldn't change anything. Awesome interview, but you didn't get the job. So eventually, that person is going to go somewhere else and find their own, you know, promotion somewhere else. They're not going to keep waiting. Uh, so as as a company or as a business, uh, you need to make sure that you give those people the opportunity. Um, but you know, be the person who's going to look to make them better too. Like you said, don't give them that bullshit feedback that they're great uh, when really they're not because they're just going to stay shitty. And uh, make sure it's in a timely manner too. Um, you know, nothing is worse than when you apply for a job and you're excited about getting that job, you're excited about the position, you went through the whole preparational stage, you came in with the, you know, you bought a brand new suit, whatever it happens to be, it might even be some crazy red suit that someone might buy, who knows, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's a shot of Mitch for anyone who doesn't know Mitch's red suit yet, but, uh, <laughs> but, Dude, that- is clean. That is a nice suit. That is definitely a nice suit. I think anyone I mean, who's listening to this podcast has seen the red suit by now because it's our picture. But uh, I wouldn't wear it for an interview. But if I'm going to a Christmas party, that's a suit to wear. That is a nice Christmas party suit. Yeah. But for someone to go through all those things and then have to wait, shit, more than like three days, honestly, to me is a long time. Mm-hmm. Um. Because, one, if you wait two, three weeks, maybe even a month, and I know we both had a job that we applied for and didn't get feedback for weeks or a month, or maybe even didn't get feedback at all. That's honestly the worst thing, like by far the worst thing. Uh, when they don't even call you back and you just simply get an email saying, well, there's more quality, uh, qualified candidates than you. And you got zero feedback. Like you said, you're stuck in the same spot. You have made no progress to being better. That is literally the most frustrating thing but waiting a month or more is just insane because by that time you're like yeah i didn't get that job fuck that job anyway probably have that might might have that mentality and when you get that feedback it's usually just some made-up bullshit because that person was like oh i gotta quickly put this together and tell this guy i didn't get the job but this girl she didn't get the job um yeah let's just let's just tell her this real quick or tell him this real quick when in reality, if you had actually been active in that interview and put together some real feedback, you could literally give it to them the next day or, or two days, three days out, and it'll be so much more impactful, not only for yourself, uh, like you said, you get more respect from the people when you give them that honest feedback, uh, but for that person too, so they can grow in their own career and, and develop further as a leader or whatever that position is that they're trying to do. Uh, you're hurting them and you're making yourself look bad. So yeah. double whammy there. Yeah, I mean, if you don't, I mean, if you're not willing to give feedback, you realistically don't deserve to be in the position you're in. Yeah, 100%. What's the fourth one? Fourth one, uh, to me, was was practice. And it kind of goes in kind of with everything, almost. Um, But, you know, it took me 11 tries before I got the general management, my first general manager job. Um, And, you know, I remember the first one. I remember the very first one I did, and I thought I was ready. I thought I was like, I'm getting this job. I thought I was ready. And I was super pissed when I didn't get the job. So angry, like furious. But looking back at it now, uh, you know, someone once told me that, you know, I might think that I know everything in that position, and, and uh, you know, I think I'm ready. But, you know, later on down the road, you'll look back, and you'll see, like, wow, you know, I was, I was, you know, immature and, and inexperienced at the time. And, and really looking at it now, I, I really do see that. Um, so, you know, going through those 11 interviews, some of them I honestly just applied to just to get practice, like I was saying, to get practice telling my stories, bettering my stories, uh, finding different questions and then being able to write those questions down and, and finding better answers to them so I came more prepared to the next interview. Like you said, always either getting that job or using that interview to get you the next job. So when it comes to it, um, when there's a job you really, really want, make for damn sure that it's not the first time you're interviewing for that position because you're going in blind. And you probably haven't got your name out there, didn't use platforms like LinkedIn or or whatever else people use. Uh, I know Periscope's another good one. Um, even Instagram can be used. But uh, to get your face out there, uh, get your brand out there. Get the culture that you're building, again, on a consistent daily basis. 
uh, because you're not going to get that first job. You're not going to get it the one that you want. So, you know, practice, 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 even though Alan Iverson would tell you the opposite, but. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, I think if you don't, um, I think if you don't, I mean, if you don't fail, you know, you really never learn the things you need to be successful, you know, and I think when you, I guess you, I guess you can call it a failure. I mean, not really a failure, but, you know, when you don't get the job that you want, you don't get the job that you feel like you should have, um, exactly what you said, I think it makes you more well prepared. So when the time comes for the ultimate job you want, the, 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 the most elite job you want, that because of those things that you messed up at or you may not have been successful in, I think it makes you like very well prepared for that job. So, you know, exactly what you said. I think I was pissed at the job, the first job I didn't get. I think I was like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. I should definitely have that job. And, you know, acted some type of way. And, and, and now I sit here like, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be sitting where I am today. Right. You know, so really, uh, appreciate now that I went through a lot of hardships that I thought were failures and I thought was, you know, a nightmare and it turned out to be a learning lesson that made me, you know, get to where I'm at today. So what are some ways that people can practice their interviewing skills? Um, I think a couple ways is, you know, getting with your leader and asking your leader if you can do mock interviews. I think another way is uh, what you said before, and that's interviewing for jobs even if you know you won't get them. You know, if you're going for a job that you know that you're not qualified for but you'll at least get an interview, you'll be surprised what you get from it. You know, when you take on interviews, I'll never forget, I was a solutions manager and there was a job at a like robotics engineering company called ABB and I interviewed for like a territory manager engineering job that I was like extremely underqualified for and somehow I got to the final interview so I got I went to Detroit I sat in a room with five engineers and they were asking me questions about robotics and I literally had absolutely no idea what was going on in the interview but I but it was so interesting to like field questions and try to answer on a topic I had no idea about. First off, I couldn't believe that I got to the final interview. I'm like, they must not have had anybody else to interview. <laughs> it was crazy how... I think your experience in engineering was, what, zero? Because I think you yeah, were a finance I had, major. I had no clue what was... They would say things like, so... Name some times that you had to handle a mechanical issue with a robotics customer. And I said, well, um, I've never actually done that before. Uh, (laughs) I had to like dream up answers that would work. And you know what? Half of them were like, this dude's a fucking idiot. And the other half were like literally liking my answers. And not, you know, I ended up not getting a job and stuff. But the fact that like that interview session, that whole thing of going like with six engineers sitting in a little room, six people or six person panel and then just me was so like nerve wracking and so like difficult that it made all the other other interviews I went for so easy because A, I actually knew what I was talking about and I wasn't making up anything. But, but, but B, I was like so experienced in dealing with like the nerves of an interview, the breathing of an interview, the enthusiasm required in an interview. Like a lot of things that are really important. Like that job that I did not get has been so helpful and so critical to why I was able to get interviews in the future. So I think interviewing for jobs that you don't have a shot getting um, is worth it. I think reaching out to your leader and asking if you can do mock interviews is worth it. You know, I think whatever experience you can get in interviewing for a job, whether you're remotely close to being qualified or not, what 
nothing beats experience. Like nothing makes you better than experience. You can read about how to interview. You can listen about how to interview. But nothing beats being in the middle of an interview and having to answer for yourself. So whatever ways that you can get in your company, um, experience in interviewing, I think is extremely critical. Yeah, I think all that kind of goes back to being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Getting used to, you know, being uncomfortable and making it so much that you are comfortable. Like you said, you went into an interview that you really probably didn't belong there. Um, and you felt terribly nervous. But because you did that, you know, you, you, you did that and got comfortable with being uncomfortable. The next one felt like a breeze. You know, it wasn't scary. It wasn't, you know, nerve-wracking. Your heart rate was a lot lower, and you can go in there and, and be a lot more confident, uh, not only in your answers, but in yourself and, and just the way that you carry yourself. I remember when I was in, uh, you know, seventh grade, uh, my lacrosse coach used to always tell us, you know, go out on the field with swag. You know, look like you deserve to be there. No matter what game you're playing, no matter what team you're playing, you know, the way you present yourself when you go to that field, you step on that field, uh, it already starts to, you know, you already start to win the game. Just yeah. that little bit. Yeah, I uh, I will definitely never forget those interviews. Because it was almost, like, hysterical that I was even in the interview. I hope they, like, paid for you to come out to Detroit. <laughs> oh, dude, it was crazy. They paid for my flight first class. They paid for the hotel and everything. And I went to interview. I'm not kidding. Like, there is... There is no way someone was more underqualified than I was going. <laughs> and, There's just no one in the entire country that wanted to move to Detroit. And like half the people were like kind of sitting there like this, like just with their hand on their face, just listening. And the other half were like really into my answers. And I remember leaving like, there is no way I'm pulling off this job. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, handling that job with zero experience in the industry, zero experience with that kind of interview. And let's be serious, a six-panel interview is not easy anyways because you're trying to talk and look at every single person. Um, but that, that that experience has helped me so much, you know, in my career. So when you have a chance, go after it. If you don't get a job, don't worry about it. Take the, take, take the lessons that you learned and get ready for the job that you want the most because that's when it will be the most useful to have that experience. I like it. So, uh, going back, kind of, kind of, three or four big things: preparation, execution. Uh, we'll say analysis and also feedback on both ends. And then, obviously, the biggest one is going to be practice because you're never going to nail that first one uh, just because you feel that, you know, you deserve that job or whatever it is. If you haven't done an interview before, haven't done multiple interviews before, when you want that job, it's very unlikely that you're going to get it if it's that first one. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I think the biggest takeaway from today would be start preparing now. Start preparing now for your future interviews. Start being confident in yourself Start, I mean, it really, it's just, it's start preparing now. You know, I think the most successful people are the ones who are prepared for that job right now. If my job is in a year, if you're preparing every single day, you're going above and beyond every single day, you're understanding the business every single day, and you're putting yourself in a position to show who you are and use those platforms to really present who you are today. I think when the time comes for those interviews, you're going to be well ahead of the competition. I like it. I think I think my biggest takeaway is uh, have the discipline and consistency that you're doing those things every day. You know, like you said, you know, start preparing today, but like do those things. And like we talked about in the last podcast, like do the little things because those little things build behaviors that people notice. Uh, you know. Picking up trash. Like you said, not one of your job descriptions, but people notice that. Um, that little tiny thing that most people will walk right past it, that's what st- makes you stand out from the rest. And when you're doing it, when people aren't watching you, you're not doing it just because, oh, my boss is whatever, let me do it real quick. 
You're doing it when people aren't watching you. People notice it. People will see it. And people will come find you for the job. Like you said, they will be like, hey, we want you to take this job. Apply for this job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast today. We're starting to get more views and more listens and more people following us and really enjoying this. So if you have any comments or any things that you'd like for us to talk about, we'd love to do that. But we appreciate your attention. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and look forward to the next podcast. Yeah, and I'd also like to say that if you feel that you need help or you know liked what you heard on today's podcast and, and want more feedback or or uh, would like to dive deeper into building your skills when it comes to interviewing, uh, you know, comment on our podcast. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, Christopher Moran and Mitchell Bosey, reach out to us. And, and like we've done with multiple people in the past, we love helping people, you know, get that next job, uh, bettering themselves, not only developing them, you know, as a person, but as a leader and giving them that opportunity to uh, really build a much better life for themselves. So uh, don't don't hesitate to reach out, be engaged. Um, and uh, like we always say, share it with a friend. Uh, help us, you know, build this podcast and, and get uh, branched out to more people. But thanks, uh, thanks again for, for listening. Appreciate you guys. I got my hands in the stands, my team on my back, my family in my heart. I put my city on the map. See, I'm cool with my school, but I know I can do better. I took the mail yesterday and now one college and one college up after all this hard work. I'd be telling you a lie if I said it didn't hurt. So how do I stay focused in the